Please pray with me. May the words of the mouth, my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the story of the trickster getting tricked. Jacob, the trickster getting tricked. All week I've been thinking about this story. How do we talk about this story? What angle do we come to from this story? The story of Leah and Rachel and Jacob is one of those that is so rich. What angle do you come from? That in seminary, that's the one everybody wants to talk about. It depends on what class you're in, what angle are you coming from? And especially when you're in a feminist theology class. Ooh, we love getting our teeth into that one. That's a lot of fun. Because it has that wonderful line in it that Leah had beautiful eyes, but Rachel was gorgeous. So every woman in here knows what it means when somebody says, oh, but you have such a pretty face. <clears throat> and that's what Leah has, beautiful eyes, but her sister was gorgeous means. Oh, she has such a pretty face. It's one of those stories that you just want to say, why? What was the purpose of this? Why was there seven years? And then he's in love with Rachel, and everything's perfect. And then he has the wedding night of the woman that he's loved for seven years. And he doesn't know that's the woman. How did that happen? Does anybody know? I just, somebody tell me how he doesn't figure out, hey, you're not Rachel. I just, okay. And Leah had to be in on it. Because she knew she wasn't going into a tent that she knew things weren't going to be good. And just for all of your information, I don't even know what the nightmare would be like if both of my daughters married the same man. Oh, dear God. <laughs> so I was thinking of Genesis, and I was thinking, what is Genesis like, and how am I going to talk about it? And then I was watching Game of Thrones, and I thought, that's what Genesis is like. That's why Game of Thrones is so popular. Because the author just pretty much stole the stories of Genesis. Game of Thrones is this wonderful, deliciously dysfunctional family, isn't it? It's all of these people that they're doing all of these weird things at all of these weird times. But it's a story of origin, essentially. It's the story of how these families came to be and how this land came to be and how the old gods were put away and the new god rose into ascension. Does any of that make, you know, sound familiar to any of you? How the tribes came together, the seven kingdoms, you know, that number seven keeps popping up. How the seven kingdoms came to be one kingdom, and how there are the chosen people, and how there are the slaves who were in the wilderness, and they threw off their slave masters, and now they're coming to the promised land. Any of this ringing bells here, people? And then how the chosen son, who is the king, was killed and then was resurrected, and now he's battling the dead? I'm like, wow, there's a lot of the Bible in that story, isn't there? But right now, we're talking about the trickster. And in 
Game of Thrones, the trickster is Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> he is a little person who was born unable to take over the throne. And he does everything he can to get that power because he is smart enough and he's rightly the person that should be ruling the country. Ask him, he will tell you. And he has battled and no matter what odds he comes against, he always comes out on top. That's Game of Thrones. Then there's Jacob. Jacob, who was born the second son, grabbing literally onto the foot of his older brother, wanted so hard to be born first that he tried to yank him back from the birth canal. That is somebody trying to get there first. While his mom was pregnant, those two boys were fighting so hard in her womb that she literally asked God why. And it was such a bad time that God answered. And he said, there's always going to be struggles. And the younger one is going to win. And the older one is going to serve the younger one. From that point on, she knew that she had to raise the younger one to be the great leader that he was going to be. So she, she was the younger one. She made sure that Jacob got everything he needed, and she wasn't such a great mom to Esau. So much so that we don't talk about it in this sermon series, but when the time came for the final blessing, because Isaac was going to pass away, she, she wraps clothes or skins of goats around Jacob's arms because he's not as hairy as his older brother and takes him in for the blessing because Isaac was blind. I guess Isaac couldn't smell anything either because you'd think he could have smelled goat, but hey, that's okay. And then Isaac gives him the blessing and then Esau finds out and Rebecca's like, run, Jacob, run, and he's out of there. And he goes far enough away to be with his cousin or his uncle, I don't know, it's a family tree nightmare, Laban. And when he gets there, he finds Rachel. Now we know that God has chosen Jacob to be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. We know that Jacob's wives are going to be the mothers of the 12 tribes of Israel. How do we know that? We've read the Bible. We have it. The people that were hearing these stories, they knew it because they were the people of Israel and they were hearing these stories. But this is an origin story. This, they're hearing, where did they come from? How did they come about? Where did these tribes come from? How did they come about? Who were their founders and how did they get there? They knew there was a blessing, but what was there more than the blessing? So they find out that, yeah, Jacob is their father, but in order to be their founder, he had to do more than just get born. He had to fight for them. So he goes and he sees Rachel and he falls in love with her. But even though he is promised by God to be their father, it doesn't matter. He still has to work 
for them. Because even though he's blessed, he still has to prove that he is worthy. And he has to prove that he is worthy for the mother of Israel. He has to prove that he is strong and that he is a trickster and that he's worthy of God's blessing and that he will follow through. So he agrees to work for what magic number? Seven! Seven years! He will work for seven years for the right to marry Rachel. And then, ba-ba-bum, bad music comes out. He finds out he's married Leah with the beautiful eyes. And then he's offered Rachel again. But this time, this time, he's going to have to work another seven years for her. Now, what does this mean when we're talking about the origin story of the tribes? This means that the origin story of the tribes is, is that the mother of the tribes that Rachel gives birth to will be doubly blessed because her children will have been worked for seven and seven years, twice the amount that Leah's children were. So they're doubly blessed. And what is the tribe that Rachel gives birth to? The tribe of Benjamin, with King David comes out of. And who has the ancestor of King David? Jesus. So the double blessing comes out of. We know that. We see that story. We see that there is blessings in there and that there's cost to blessings. But what does that mean to us? What does that story mean other than it's a great story to listen to? It means to us that God knew he was choosing Jacob to be the father of his people while Jacob was still in the womb, battling it out with Esau for foot space. He knew when Jacob was a kid that he was going to be the father of Israel. He knew when Jacob was hot-footing it away from a beatdown with Esau to get away from him, going towards Laban, that he was going to marry Leah and Rachel, and they were going to create the 12 tribes of Israel. God knew all of that. And yet, he also knew that he wasn't going to make it easy on Jacob because life is not easy. And that is something all of us have to realize. That being blessed, being blessed does not mean life is easy. Being blessed does not mean that we are not walking forward, doing our seven years of work, and boy, we've got a goal in mind, and we are there. We are on day 364, and we've got that final day done, and we've hit our seven years, and that goal is there, and suddenly we're facing another seven years that doesn't mean that God said we're not blessed. That just means God said, hey, you got more work to do. Every time we walk into one of those blockades in our life, every time we walk into one of those things when the, instead of moving forward, we end up moving backwards. Backwards. 
Every time we walk into a horrible experience, it does not mean we are not blessed. Jacob is an amazing character for bringing this thought home. We're going to talk about it next week, so I'm not going to talk about it a lot. But not only does he have to work twice as hard as he thinks he has to work and deal with two sisters that are angry at each other all the time, but then later when he finally does come face to face with God and wrestles him to the ground, he leaves that limping. He doesn't leave it with wings and feeling great. He leaves it limping. Sometimes when you come face to face with God and your life has changed, you don't always leave physically perfect. You don't always leave with a scar that makes you feel better than you were before. Sometimes hardship creates a scar that you feel physically imperfect from. Sometimes you feel wounded by that blessing that you received from God. Sometimes it's that bad thing that happened in your life that actually changes you and makes you stronger and makes you able to move forward and be the person that God wants you to be in the world. Through those hardships, through those challenges, through those times that you feel beaten and bloody and limping are the times that you are a stronger representative of God in this world. If everything was easy, if everything was handed to you, you would never appreciate what you have in this world. You would never appreciate the goals that you've accomplished. They would mean nothing. But because you got to fight for it, because you've got to work for it, then you appreciate it. God just says he is here with us. God just says that we are to be his people. God said that he will never leave us alone. God did not say that he is here to make our path easy. He said he is going to make it easier. He said if you yoke with him, the burden will become lighter. But he didn't say he was taking that yoke away. We're still working. He said he was going to walk with us. He was going to help us. But we still were going to be doing the walking. We're still going to be crawling up mountains. We're still going to be working as hard as ever. There are still going to be hurdles. There's still going to be pain. There's still going to be setbacks. The story of Jacob, Leah, and Rachel show that. Rachel loved Jacob with all of her being. And she had to wait seven years for that man. And then she had to step aside while her sister married him first. There was pain in that. And yet it still was the foundation for the kingdom of Israel. Leah 
was never Jacob's beloved. But she was part of the foundation for the state of Israel, the country of Israel, the people of Israel. The story is not a love story. The story is not the game of thrones. It's not a happy ending where everybody ends up with what they want. It is an ending where we as a human race end up with what we need. God gave us a leader. God gave us a people. God gave us a tribe. God gave us strength that when we move forward, we can look at women and men that will overcome anything to do what they are called to do. Jacob is a trickster in God's service to get done what needs to be done. And gentlemen and ladies, look at Leah and Rachel. Their life is not perfect. Their life is hard. And they are stronger than the men in this because they move forward and they create a nation. This is what the story is about that you can overcome all odds, you can overcome all pain, you can overcome all setbacks, and with the grace of God, you can move forward and be part of his blessing in this world, be part of his call in this world to bring his kingdom into this world, just like he called Rachel, Leah, and Jacob to bring his people's land into this world. At 11 o'clock, we're going to be having a baptism of three people. Pastor Jane tells families when their, their members get baptized that they are being blessed with the Holy Spirit. And in that blessing, they are giving gifts to bring the kingdom of heaven into this world. All of you here that have been baptized have been blessed with gifts to bring the kingdom of heaven into this world. Has anybody here had a perfect life where there's been no stress? Please raise your hand. Everybody here who has had stress, setbacks, and some tears in their lives, please raise your hand. You are in the company of Rachel, Leah, and Jacob as you help build God's kingdom in this world. You know what it is like to be God's kingdom makers in a world that is not perfect, where sometimes you have to overcome odds. There are setbacks. There are pain. There are times that you don't know why you're moving forward, and there's times you don't know why God is asking certain things of you. But you have all been here called by God to do God's work in this world in whatever way God is calling you to do so. And you might not know what that is until hindsight, when we're all together. But know this, you have been called by God to do God's work in this world, to build God's kingdom in this world, just as Rachel, Leah, and Jacob were. Amen.